Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have Arushi on, and I'm excited because she just received an honor of being named 30 under 30 in one of Canada's up and coming tech cities. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and kind of what your professional career has been. Sure. Um, the short answer is I've hopped around a lot, um, but over time, no regrets. So I, do, I have a background in a liberal arts degree. So for those uh, out there, entrepreneurs or people who've done corporate work, um, in the long term, a liberal arts degree works out, works out, not in the short term. So I studied economics and English out in the States. And um, growing up, I lived in seven countries. So I just my accent goes all over the place. And I picked my college by Googling it, and I'd never been to the States before. And I just show up in Poughkeepsie from Johannesburg with like no background. And that's kind of a theme uh, throughout. Uh, after my um, um, degree at Vassar in the US, I did a similar thing where I cold called to get <laughs> pretty much a consulting gig. Um, and um, I, I moved out here to BC. Um, I had an offer in New York City, and I think again, it's making these unconventional choices and hopping around. And then after my MBA, um, I had a bunch of consulting offers. And again, I, I chose to leave uh, the corporate world with a lot of MBA debt and run my own consulting gig because I thought I really was interested and I wanted to be brave in working on projects that put my values and put my interests at the forefront. Uh, I got an amazing exposure to the corporate world, but you get a whole variety, right? And I could focus on healthcare. And through that journey, I worked um, in a neuroscience startup that I still support. Um, I've learned what it is to be, not, not sure how you're gonna make next month's payroll. Um, how do you sell to people as a three-man operation to a large system? And um, most recently, I um, was asked to start a, um, a startup accelerator focused on a specific niche in healthcare, uh, spinal cord injury. And um, the short and long of it was someone gave, you know, uh, my boss, who's a, who's a great guy, Fred, he's an entrepreneur as well, he gave me a call and said, do you want to start an accelerator from scratch? And in five minutes, I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, I think my career has been just a bunch of, uh, unconventional choices and saying yes to things I don't fully understand. And right now we've uh, deployed our first cohort, um, you know, run a very non-traditional accelerator. Uh, we're on our last month and it's been an amazingly rewarding, grueling, challenging um, journey. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So there's a couple of things that you said that I just have to ask a little bit more. You said, okay, you've lived in seven countries. So where was the first, like, what do you consider to be home now? It's, uh, you know, most recently out of, uh, I mean, a few years ago, I was in South Africa because I grew up in Johannesburg and that's where the accent sometimes changes. But um, I guess now I've lived in North America for 10 years. So I'm slowly sort of saying, okay, Canada, I guess Canada's becoming home. But um, I think when you've lived in different places, there's always this feeling that you never fully belong anywhere. And you're always, I don't know if you have this, but you're, we're always code switching, right? Even in our own countries and own places, you know, between the corporate environment, um, our social justice hat, our families, we're always code switching. And I think for me growing up, that was on steroids because I would be, I'd be six, I'd go from 
or I think I was, yeah, I was like four. And from India, my parents took me to uh, Egypt and wow. no one spoke English. All the little kids <laughs> didn't speak English. And there were just four Mohammeds and me. And how do you adapt to that as a four-year-old where you already have one language you don't fully get? Um, and so I think for me, that experience of code switching and adapting was just is something we all talk about as entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, but I think that happened pretty early for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it definitely opens you up to a lot of, I guess, to be a more flexible person. Cause I know, I mean, when I was younger in my family, we lived in Germany for about three and a half years. Cool. And then we came back to the U S um, but it, it opened my mind to just, like I said, being comfortable, being out of my comfort zone. Mm. And then when I was uh, early in my corporate career, I took a job down in Brazil and I moved to Sao Paulo and I spoke absolutely no English. Wow. I mean, I, yeah. not English. I spoke no Portuguese. Yeah. I only spoke English. And it's just like being there to where it's just like, all right, I am now out of my comfort zone. I've agreed <laughs> to do this assignment for a year. I have wow. to figure this out. <laughs> It's amazing. I spent 14 hours stranded um, in the Sao Paulo airport and I was trying to get oh, wow. a sandwich. So I can't imagine how you did a year of that because it just makes you realize like how nothing knowing English is in some parts of the world, which is really good. And so congratulations on that. That's, that's adapting. Awesome. Awesome. So now when you talked about, you know, your, your liberal arts background and just the constantly moving around those unconventional decisions, I mean, I guess at any point in that journey, did you ever feel like, I'm not sure if this is the right decision or concerned or just feeling that sense of, hey, I'm not sure what to do next? Yeah, totally. I think so. Um, I think when, uh, you know, going to business school was an amazing opportunity. Um, but I think business school is a very interesting environment where, you know, most folks are moving into very structured positions and they're, and they're positioning themselves for that um, in big corporations. And I think, though, you know, MBA schools are adapting and, and I was definitely exposed to a lot of entrepreneurship classes, but I never saw myself as any kind of entrepreneur. I was like, no, that's <laughs> not me. And I think there was a time during the program, and I think it's actually important to have those breakdown moments where you feel very lost and you are you know following the crowd a little bit even though your heart's not in it because that's what you should do and that's what you with your privilege and your background should do with an mba degree i should look for an even better consulting gig or a higher position and it'd be funny every few days in the mba program people i didn't know in the program that well would come up to me and ask me what offer, consulting offer I was taking in a big firm. Like they needed to know, and it's this <laughs> culture we have where to feel okay with our decisions is this herd mentality. Mm -hmm. So that was a definite like moment where I think, you know, it wasn't clear to me where I was going and it was really jarring because I have always tried not to get, we all try not to get sucked in, but we do. And um, I actually, you know, called my mentor at that time and I was like, I just felt completely lost. And she said, this, this moment, it needs to happen. And that moment of just being completely lost, sometimes you feel vulnerable because you're so lost and you're lost in something you're failing at. You need that. And I think, um, I think we fail every day. I think it's how we react to it and, and letting it happen and being own it, open and honest about your failure, right? Like, I didn't get into all the top tier consulting firms that the MBA wanted me to. I already had a really good offers in a number of them, but I didn't get that top offer. 
but actually overall where I am now is so much richer, richer and deeper in terms of my journey and aligned with my values. Not discounting that prestigious, you know, shiny thing, but that wasn't for me. But I think going through that journey and realizing what isn't for you is, is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that's something that it, you said. It, it definitely is a, I think if I can like just sum it up to, to my own experience with that, that vulnerability, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, when you, you're, you're, you feel like you should have a plan of what to do. Mm-hmm. When I was leaving my, my corporate job, yeah. um, people were asking like, you know, oh, what are you going to do next mm-hmm. or whatever? And it's like, and what I began to realize is it wasn't like they were just asking because they absolutely just had a blank slate because some people already had in mind what they thought I should do. Next. Exactly. Exactly. So interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And it made it so it made it even more interesting because they would ask, what are you going to do next? And then they would immediately jump into their spill about what they thought that I should do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, wow, I can see how the pressure can be very high on people to step out of their comfort zone and to, like I said, go down a path where they don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, even like, and just, even like with this show, the Talk Library, one of the Mm. things that I, I, I tell people is that, I have no idea what the next five steps look like right now. Mm. I'm kind of focus on what's the next step. Mm. And as I continue to do that, you know, the rest of the path will become clearer, but it may come clear like one step at a time. And I think this mentality, because I, I work in, my background was in consulting is in strategy. So I want to know the plan five years from now. But what you just said is so powerful, especially for the moment we are in now in terms of, you know, um, you know, the movements we're having around how we're reacting to this pandemic, right? And then also the, the you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think there's just so much information and it's overwhelming and it's painful. Yeah. And these movements don't allow us to have, you know, like you can have a five-year plan, but really we don't know how our reality is going to look like. So I think taking it day by day and saying, what can you, how can we show up every day and do the thing you committed to doing and the thing that you think is right and the thing you think is equitable. I think it's very necessary and it's very counterintuitive, at least to the way I want to think about things is if I try and think three months from now, okay, what is the world going to look like? You know, are these, are these changes going to happen? You know, is systemic racism in, you know, certain areas going, you can't, but what can you do today as a person and an entrepreneur and just, you know, like, how do you deal with that complexity? And I think that day by day and being honest that you don't know is, is really powerful and hard to practice. It's not paralyzing. Like, you, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you do something, but you actually, you're not making these grand plans on what's going to happen next. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that that's something that I think they, a, I guess say a flavor of that is something I've consistently heard when talking to doing the interviews. I mean, because we're doing eight to 10 interviews every single week to where I'm talking yeah, to it's entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I find to be very interesting is a lot of them talked about in their journey is just learning how to focus on the niche of, hey, what exactly mm-hmm. were they offering and being very clear on how to focus and not get distracted. So mm-hmm. speaking of that, when you 
you know, went into this incubator business. I mean, <laughs> focusing on the spines. Like, how did how did you feel about that? Like, okay, all right, this is what my focus is. Like, how did you feel yeah. about that? <laughs> and it's so distracting because you know, incubation, acceleration. People love these buzzwords and. <laughs> People offer you all these things and it's like the funnel of information is endless. And I really believe, I think from the startup world is like rapidly prototype and, and pick what is going to be a differentiator, like exactly what you were saying. And so, you know, first of all, we've got a lot of feedback, you know, this is an orphan condition running an accelerator for this will never succeed. You're a charity. you right now. Charities hired you to do this work. They don't know what they're, you know, like, I'm not saying it was that negative, but it was that negative, you know, behind closed doors, people are just, they haven't seen it. So if they haven't seen it, doesn't, it's not going to happen. So I think I thought, what are the two things we can do better than other accelerators? And that is bringing, you know, um, people with lived SDI experience, because we're networked with that, like the actual consumer, mm-hmm. not to give feed, just give feedback to the startups, but mentor them throughout the process. So you can talk to a consumer several hours a week instead of, oh, that one time I talked to the one consumer so that you're actually embedded with the needs of the consumer. Very few accelerators do that. And the second thing is having worked in healthcare startup and being a, um, you know, run a a pre-seed company, um, really focus on what the biggest risks are and that's regulatory and reimbursement. So how could we de-risk that or bring the best resources and, and remove some of the costs But we took out all the fluff around, you know, uh, my boss and a few others, they wanted us to add all this stuff around general building a business plan. And okay. I said, no, <laughs> that's what other people are doing. They do it better than us. I just cut all of that out. And that was a risk because people said, you don't know an accelerator. Why are you doing that? But I think it paid off. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that that becomes a, a very clear thing that, that, that distinguishes people from who start to see that deeper level of success and that deeper connection, or I guess you say, awareness of their customers and the audience that they are actually after it's when they can actually Mm. say intentionally put those blinders on so in doing that what are the and i know you alluded to some of it so what are the services that you know your company offers yeah so at praxis we uh run we're running um right now um an accelerator program for companies that have an application or spinal cord injury, but their market can be big broader, but they need to show that people with SCI could benefit from their technology. And we bring them now for a virtual three month program. And we have people with SCI mentoring them. We have world-class researchers advising them on the type of research they need to do. We connect them with world leading clinicians in space. We give them about 50K in Canadian in terms of grant money. We bring a regulatory and reimbursement specialists to help them go through those hurdles around their strategy both in the U.S. and Canada, to help them with market entry in those two countries. And we bring, you know, an in-house business uh, entrepreneur and residents. Um, uh, the whole program is run by three of us who are all entrepreneurs. So um, what in some, in some form, we have some experience. So I think that we're not just coordinators. So when a startup talks to us, you know, it's really funny how we engage. Um, on top of all the services, um, because, you know, I've sat there and not known how to make payroll next month or made very difficult decisions or, you know, then you have a different type of conversation. So we're always there as sounding boards and, you know, the authenticity you can bring by saying, I understand how this feels. This mm-hmm. is horrible. Okay, let's sit with that versus someone who's never had any experience of going through that. Um, then you just become a coordinator. You're not actually 
a sounding board and a person who's really invest in each of these companies. So I think that the magic factor at the end is, is that, that kind of package together service we provide of actually understanding a little bit around the journey and being sounding boards and being kind of unconventional pseudo peers uh, for each of these companies on top of that. Awesome. And where can people find you online or find you on social media? Sure. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, like everyone else. Um, and uh, so Arushi Rana, and um, I also um, uh, have a Twitter profile, Arushi101. Um, I am a fiction writer, so you'll see a lot more around my creative writing and novel work. Um, but yeah, it'll be great for anyone to join me and share the journey. Awesome, awesome. And before we get to the last question, I have to ask, the experience or the honor of being on the 30 under 30 list, what is that like for you? You know, it's funny in this um, age of um, not having, you know, you're not having a crowd of people to celebrate with. So it's a lot of LinkedIn notifications. <laughs> but besides that, you know what? My main reflection was um, in seeing all this play out is I actually didn't know I had got it. Someone emailed me. <laughs> And throughout all these engagements, it has been consistently people lifting me up and um, people who, you know, saw, met me maybe four or five years ago, six years ago, early in my career. And they, you know, they're, they're them engaging in such an authentic manner uh, with me, with this very personal messages around what our interaction was, has just made me so grateful um, of the village of people I've had interactions with and the quality of those interactions that that people understand and have followed my journey in their own ways as as leaders, as peers. Um, I don't think everyone has that in their um, career or in their world where there's so many people um, lifting you up. And the whole experience has been other people lifting me up. Like I, again, someone, a friend found out and posted on LinkedIn and the poor guy, he's got like, I think, I think like, I don't know, hundreds of notification every day dinging off. And he's just, he didn't even like realize it's going to explode. Nothing's on my feed because everyone is just without me doing anything, like propel that engine. And I think I'm, I'm just so grateful because not everyone has that. And, um, you know, now it's my responsibility to say, how can, how can I do the same in, in, in any small way that I can think of? Awesome. Awesome. And before we wrap up, the one question that I like to ask every guest that comes on is, you know, what are two things that you have learned kind of in your entrepreneurial journey and I guess your pre-entrepreneurial journey that you come to understand like, hey, this is something that you need to know to be successful as an entrepreneur? Sure. So two things. One is um, actually a fellow entrepreneur when I was getting mentored by him said, you will have a business as long as you're prepared to change. Wow. And I thought that was really powerful because I think at that time you're running out of money. And I was like, he didn't bring money up at all. And it's not because he didn't know what that felt like, right? Or capital. He said, you will have a business as long as you're able to change. So I try to use that as a very centering thought because I think it's so easy to get rigid um, and Think there's a right way to do about things especially if you've got a confirmation bias when certain things have gone well so far it's you only are as successful as your ability to change and the more we think about that and the more we embed that in our practices i think can only be better especially in turbulent times the second thing i learned is you know um 
kind of like you go through a ringer of learning technical skills and really focusing on, oh, if I do this analysis well, this, and that's really important. Like, I don't think any of us would be where we are without some of the technical rigor. But more and more, I think emotional self-regulation is the magic ingredient um, in, in growing anything or nurturing any business. And it was a really hard learning for me because you want to say, oh, I have the solution. It's right. That's not what it's about. It's how do you have self-mastery and grace in difficult conversations, in negotiations, in, you know, as a, as unfortunately, as a woman of color, I, every week I'll have a unwanted comment. Um, while, you know, especially cause I'm a little bit younger than everyone else in the room. I have unwanted comments and before, you know, you react in a place of fear or you want to, but you know, you have to think beyond that, even though that person could be wrong, you know, how do you self-regulate and how do you bring your best self in very difficult situations? How do you, you know, practice that? And I think that's what I'm interested in growing in. So I meditate almost every day and I think it's been life-changing, like that self-mastery and it's a huge journey and I fail, like I get irritable, I get, but like, how can I keep working on that? So those are two things I keep uh, and as daily reminders. Awesome, awesome. Well, I definitely thank you for, for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for, you know, taking the time to be on the show. We really, really do appreciate you um, sharing your journey with us and the insights and the wisdom because I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that all the things that you have brought up, I think, are very great points and things that the audience needs to hear. And entrepreneurs just, I guess, you know, need to get comfortable with the things that you say because they are a challenge of processing those and accepting those. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Thank you so much for having me and, and amplifying other voices. I really appreciate it. And that concludes another episode of the Business Talk Library. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can connect with us on any social media platform, Instagram at Business Talk Library, LinkedIn. You can follow the Business Talk Library hashtag. You can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube searching for Business Talk Library. If there's any topics that you would like addressed or any questions you have about your business or your career path that you would like for us to answer on the show, feel free to shoot us a note on any of those platforms and we will try our best to get to them. Remember, keep it simple.